0: spooky people. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of I Love This. You should too, a podcast with me, Samantha Randawa and him, Indy Randawa. Hello. <laughs> and we here at I love This you should too are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported.
1: So today we are kind of wrapping up our nightmare on Elm Street septology. What do you call it when there's seven of them?
0: September? Yep, that's it. <laughs> well, it was September and October, so. We
1: will be doing, of course, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake for our last episode, but this wraps up the original series. And we're not going to do Freddy vs. Jason because you haven't seen a Friday the 13th yet.
0: I don't know who Jason is.
1: Jason the dog.
0: Yes. Oh, I love Jason the dog. <laughs>
1: But this will be our, kind of our last one, so that's fun. We're gonna get all into Wes Craven's new nightmare right away, but first, let's thank our first sponsor, and this episode of I Love This, You Should Too is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you can be calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. All right, Samantha, this was your very first time seeing New Nightmare and all of these movies. Yes. But New Nightmare, first impressions?
0: I was so excited to have a movie that actually had a plot and was well written,
1: and it made sense. Yes,
0: it made sense. I wrote I wrote notes for the first like maybe twenty minutes of the movie, and then I moved away from it because I was like, "Oh, well, I'm going to remember what actually happens in this movie because it's not confusing." And then my final note is, I actually liked this movie <laughs> oh so i think this is my favorite of all of them of
1: all of them yeah wow very very controversial take
0: <laughs> i thought it was like a really cool concept and most i
1: most th- series of movies do peak around number seven usually
0: <laughs> no series of movies peaks around number seven so you're putting this right at the top i think so it's, it's like in a tie i think with number one okay um, but I like the concept. Like it was a really cool concept that I hadn't seen before, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was like a neat idea to kind of not shine a light, but like show like the people who are behind the scenes, right? And uh, I mean, I've never wondered who the producer of these movies is, but we get to see him in this movie, so that was kind of fun too.
1: We've actually seen him. In maybe all of them, at least three of them. Oh, really? He does little cameos in all of them Uh, because that's who the kind of guy Robert Shea is.
0: You you had a very uh, grumpy reaction towards him being on screen. I
1: don't like him as a person or artist or businessman, but that's just (laughs) me. I've kind of followed some of the behind the scenes stuff of these movies. So I I don't like what he brings to the table most often. (laughs) But he was in this one. Uh, for me, I did say at the very beginning that I only remember liking 1, 3, and 7. Mm-hmm. And now that we've gone through seven of them, I can say I like 1, 3, and 7.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think 1, 3, and 7 are very good.
1: I also think, well, we'll get into all of that, but I think there's some good ones that are not as good. Like, I think 4 is fine. Mm-hmm. But... I think uh, for me, I'm not gonna put seven at the top. One is at the top, and then it's between three and seven. And I think I might like three better because three's more fun. Mm. But seven is like a more classically well-made movie mm-hmm. than three was. But three's so fun. I love that one.
0: <laughs> three was fun. Um, oh, that's interesting. This one, I don't know. It just seemed, and maybe. This one, I think, maybe because we've watched all the other ones and they were kind of like, slogging through garbage. <laughs> yeah, uh, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> that this one was such a breath of fresh air that maybe I'm like remember or remembering the other ones even worse.
1: Also though, I think it just speaks to our sensibilities. You hadn't seen any 80s horror. No. You came to horror movies with things more like scream. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of similarities between this one and Scream, for sure. Mm. We could get into it later, maybe, but I think it just is the type of horror movie that you are used to. While I, as a little kid, was (laughs) going to the um, video station down the road and... Renting VHSs of a lot of these older 80s movies. So and I've made movies that are straight homages to those. Mm. So that's kind of more in my wheelhouse. And although I would say this is a a better made film than, of course, like four, five, six, (laughs) I still love one and three because they shaped not just where the series goes. And not just where horror went, but but me and my tastes and the movies that I made came so much from one and three and and this one as well. But I think the '80s horror is holds a closer place in my heart than than you because you just discovered these ones, right? So you don't really have that sort of nostalgia for those types of movies.
0: This is yeah, I'd agree with you. This is like the probably like ninth horror movie I've seen recently, so it's like not it doesn't have that much competition.
1: (laughs) All right, well, let's get into it. Let's go through the plot a good bit Mm -hmm. and we can talk about what we liked, what we didn't, and what's keeping this away for me from being that number one spot Mm -hmm. because I do see very specific things that I wish they had changed that I would have liked better, but there's also so much in this one that I I really did like.
0: Mm -hmm. One thing that I liked, and this is like, this is a spoiler episode so watch out um i liked that uh there was callbacks from earlier in the film i liked that they took a theme and like ran it all the way through like what uh like hansel and gretel that was kind of fun um the earthquakes of like it being a misdirect kind of thing
1: yeah the the earthquakes i really liked that element because it was just this sense of impending, ominous doom that's Mm -hmm. throughout the movie that this can happen at any time and it kind of adds to that um, like almost a trapped feeling that Nancy, not Nancy, Heather (laughs) now has in this one.
0: Uh, Yeah, I liked... I appreciated that from, like, a writing standpoint, because in so many of these movies we've been watching, you're like, okay, I'm going to remember that for later. And then it just, like, never comes up again. Yeah. And I'm like, that was a missed opportunity. You totally could have, like, spun that around and put it into, like, the, fi- the finale of the movie.
1: And I like how the... The fairy tale, specifically Hansel and Gretel, comes through at the beginning, and it's a kind of a bookend at Mm -hmm. the end, because we are following that story. We don't realize it at the time, but Heather and Dylan are Hansel and Gretel, and they go through all of that, and they even end up burning the witch in the oven, just like hansel and gretel did but it also kind of serves a dual purpose because we have so much of this movie talking about how oh horror movies are ruining this generation because that was all that 80s satanic panic Mm -hmm. is metal and horror movies is making everyone murder everyone of course that never happened but the way it was reported you'd think it was happening all over the place that
0: was clearly what that nurse was thinking yeah definitely (laughs) she was totally in on that satanic panic
1: and then that's juxtaposed with the fairy tales because Heather says to her son, like, why do you like this? It's so scary and mm-hmm. violent. And it's just a little reminder like, yeah, we always had scary, violent stories. Mm-hmm. Fairy tales are more scary and violent than most of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. It's so true. So, yeah, maybe we should take a look at what we think is <laughs> ruining these children. Yeah. I guess we'll give a little bit of context. I don't have much for this one. But of course, after the last one, everyone was settled with Freddy being dead. That is the end. We couldn't possibly have another one. But Robert Shaheen says, like, I think there's more money out there.
0: Get more Friday money.
1: but And to his credit in this case, because most of the time I have nothing good to say about him, but what he did was he reached out to Wes Craven, mm-hmm. who wrote and directed the first one, had a smaller hand in the script in the third one, but really was hands off for the rest of them. And he said, like, hey, Wes, I know you've been complaining very publicly how you hate all the movies we made. (laughs) And how uh, we screwed you out of money so you didn't get any residuals from any of the subsequent movies. And, of course, he signed off all the rights from the first one, too. So he actually didn't make too much money off of this. Mm. So the producers at New Line did make it up to him and said, like, we'll give you some back end points on those sequels. And why don't you come back and you finish off this thing you started, which I'm very happy with because Mm -hmm. like you, I really did like this movie. Yeah. And so then Wes Craven comes at it. And originally he had written a script much like this for a sequel or something else years ago. Mm. And so he revisits that idea about where he kind of gets to take on the idea's about how disappointed he is where the series went Mm -hmm. he gets to straight up say to the camera like oh when you ruin a franchise and you water it down like this this is what happens (laughs) so he gets to complain about the series of movies he is in 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 the the movie which has got to be very uh liberating for a writer (laughs) oh
0: i bet i bet especially because he i forgot that he didn't get any money
1: I'm sure he got some, but not, not what you would expect. Right. Yeah, He signed all those rights away so he could get that first one made because right. he just wanted to get it make, he made. He wanted
0: Freddy out in the world.
1: But now he's really out in the world. Yeah. As far as what is real and what is not, so Wes Craven plays himself, Heather Langenkamp plays herself... She did in fact marry one of Wes Craven's uh, special effects guys. It's oh, not the cool. person in this movie because the actual husband was like, "No, this is too close to home. I'm not uh, I'm not doing that." <laughs> that's
0: fair. <laughs> yeah.
1: And she did in fact have a son with him around this age.
0: Aww. So,
1: it was really similar to reality.
0: But I can understand why that husband didn't want to be involved cuz that is uh, that is literally her life. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, let's go through the movie and uh, we can talk about it as we go. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Uh, so we start and um, Heather, who it took me way too long to figure out that that was Heather.
1: Oh, that you didn't realize it was Nancy? She looks identical to me. I know she
0: does. And for some reason, I don't know if it was like the angles she was being like shot in.
1: Well, she has aged a lot since we've seen her last because it's been about 10 years in the real world since we've seen her, I think. It just
0: took me way too long to figure out that it was her. And then everything made more sense. (laughs) Um, So we see Heather with her husband and their young son and they're on a movie set, which is kind of fun.
1: Which fake out did you fall for? I told you that this is going to get a little meta, but I didn't explain it at all. Yeah. So when you see a guy with a robotic glove and he's chopping off his hand, do you think like, oh, yeah, Freddy is going to be a robot now?
0: No, I I didn't fall for that one. I kind of clued in on the fact that, that they were shooting a movie. Um, oh, interesting. So I don't know what teed me off there, but it was uh, it was kind of obvious to me that this wasn't real, um, and so I wasn't sure if. Because I didn't obviously I didn't know that this was like the like people who were in the original movie as themselves. So I kind of felt like that was fake or like a TV show or something in the world of Freddy. Right. Like Freddy maybe is famous now and all the kids know about him. Um, but I definitely uh, thought that then when we see Nancy and her family or Heather and her family, uh, I thought that that was real.
1: And we learn it's a dream, but when yeah. you see that glove kind of getting up and attacking people, yeah. you assume that's going to be the story. Yes.
0: Right. Yeah. So I kind of...
1: So we get another classic dream within a dream or a double fake out. Yes. As we get a lot in these ones.
0: Oh, It's the classic Nightmare on Elm Street fake out. Um, so I think it's really interesting to start there because I totally thought that she was just in more movies in this movie within a movie.
1: I think I can follow that. I think I
0: think so too. Um, so
1: then she wakes up from her dream, and it's a big earthquake.
0: Yeah. And
1: I loved how the earthquake manifested itself in those slashes. <gasps> that was so. So cool. they look like Freddy slashes in the wall. Yeah. And it's also reminiscent of what movie was it? Was a Persona, a Bergman movie? Maybe. I
0: clearly haven't seen that. Oops.
1: Maybe it was that. But anyways, there's someone who is. When their mental state is crumbling, they started seeing these cracks appearing in the walls and stuff. And a shot looked very much like that.
0: Is that like a metaphor for what's going on in their brain? Yeah. Ah. Oh.
1: Just like in the last movie when I kept saying, oh, this is ripped off from this movie from a year or two earlier. Mm-hmm. In this one, you can find a lot of references to like classic horror. There's some Nosferatu. There's some Persona. I think there was, uh, or Repulsion. It's Repulsion. My mistake. Okay. One person out there was like, yeah, Indy, that's from Repulsion, not Persona.
0: <laughs> um, so we wake up with the earthquake and um, I thought it was really smart of, well, I guess, Wes Craven to use earthquakes as like a new misdirect for the movie. Yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun because you never know which one's real. And then in the end, it doesn't really matter anyway. Um, so I, I liked the earthquake as a misdirect. So we're not overusing dreams I
1: agree, but I think I didn't take it as a misdirect so much as like a portent of these or like an ominous representation of things to come, Mm. right? Because there's this always present thing. And plus, it's the 90s in LA and that was a very big concern. Was it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, There is a bunch of B-roll of crumbled things from the earthquake which was all real because during the production an earthquake did in fact hit and oh, they wow. went down and they're like okay this is great for us and they went and shot a bunch of stuff around oh. la which we get in later in the movie when heather is i think driving back home after her son's in mm-hmm. the hospital and we get all those shots that was real stuff that happened in la
0: that's so cool i had no idea that that was like real b-roll Um, so when she wakes up, she sees cuts on her husband's finger that are exactly like the one he got in the dream. Right. Which was, that was fun. Mm -hmm. And these things start to get bigger and scarier as the movie goes on.
1: Yeah. And that's a fun way to link dreams and reality that we haven't seen in the other ones. Of course, this is playing with completely different rules because in this world, those movies were movies. And now this is like the quote unquote real world, right? But I like that idea of... Things happening in the dream and in real life. But the person isn't like, oh, yeah, Freddie got me. And that's what happened. It's only in Heather's mind that she's putting those Mm -hmm. things together.
0: And I, like, understood the husband's, like, it was clearly while we were running through an earthquake in the house to get to our son that I cut myself somewhere. Like, there's broken stuff everywhere. But that was um, kind of a fun way to brush it off.
1: And I like how early on it's kind of just happening to Heather. So we're not always sure of is she going mad? Because we have all of these other symbols kind of going with it to show you that maybe it's just her. Maybe Mm -hmm. none of this is happening. And I think for the most part throughout this movie, you could read this as, no, she imagined everything. Mm -hmm. But then at the end, we start seeing some things and you're like, okay, yeah, there's something else going on here. But it kind of brings us back to part one, where it was a much more internal movie. Mm -hmm. It was the terror of one person rather than, a group of people that all know this big, crazy thing is happening. Right.
0: Yeah. I liked that. And like, clearly, like, I could see the argument from the mental health side where it's all in her head because she's like gone through this series of movies. And then it's... but then
1: you see someone get pulled up a wall yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: no, it's real. <laughs> so Heather is at her house and she uh, gets a phone call from someone singing the Freddie rhyme. And
1: apparently she, this actually happened as well. She was being harassed by someone and it turns out it was a crazy person who just was so angry that Freddie was killed off.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's what it came and from. And they were taking it out on her?
1: Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they they're clearly were 12. Fair. Yeah. If you're okay. going to take it that far, right?
0: <laughs> True. Um, Was it Freddie calling her?
1: Now that is a good question. Because
0: I wondered that. From the first time, like that the,
1: the actual calls. physical letters and the phone calls, who's making them? Yeah. I guess Freddy is a demon in this. So mm-hmm. when we say Freddy, we're not meaning that classic Freddy Krueger. Yes. This is some new dark Freddy. entity that is um, that takes the form of Freddy. Yes. but I guess if he can, you know, go in and out of dreams, he can make a phone call. That's I suppose.
0: Like what I was wondering. The whole time, because I'm like, if this is Freddy, then he's in the movie way earlier than I thought, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of neat.
1: And at this point, we get introduced to Dylan, her five, six-year-old son, who mm-hmm. is now watching the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And Nancy, of course, comes along and pulls the plug. Were you about and we're that old s- when
0: you were watching it?
1: Maybe not this one, but I definitely watched horror movies when mm-hmm. I was five or six. Yeah. I saw... Not when it came out because it was so much earlier, but I'm pretty sure I saw one of the Friday the 13th when I was five or six, uh, Night of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead. I saw a lot of zombie ones earlier Mm. on. And The Changeling. I saw The Changeling when I was like six.
0: I don't know what The Changeling is. I know what a changeling is. I
1: think it's great. It stars George C. Scott, and I think it's actually a Canadian production. Oh, it's great if you watch it now. There are certain things that are you're going to be like, oh, it's kind of hokey. Like a wheelchair kind of like rolling down a hallway. But mm. I love the changeling. I Is it about
0: great. like a kid that's switched and c- it's like a fairy child?
1: No, There's no fairies, I'll okay. tell you that much. Okay,
0: because that's but, like what I know of changelings.
1: And then we get to a talk show with, and I'm going to keep switching between nancy and heather and i can't help it. i can't either it's
0: like after this long of calling her nancy it's hard to go to heather
1: so heather is appearing and then of course robert england is there and surprises her and is playing freddie and he's hamming it up for the crowd mm-hmm. and everyone's going freddie
0: freddie it's funny to see like a crowd who's so excited to see freddie
1: which apparently was based on a real thing. They were on some talk show where the topic was like, horror movies are ruining this generation. Like, of course, that's what it was, mm-hmm. right? And all it's all these angry parents with their kids. And then when Robert England came out, all the kids were like, yay, Freddy! And everyone's like, wait, this is not what we were doing here. <laughs> <laughs> that's because, funny. And this is also like a fun commentary by Craven that, He said one of his worries was that the villain is going to become the hero of these and that's not what he wanted because you can't really do franchise horror without making the villain the hero because Mm -hmm. you just have a rotating cast of victims essentially. Right. And the only consistent thing is this villain Mm -hmm. and they have no choice but to make that villain the hero and he was very much against that and this was kind of him... uh, Showing that to us, how silly it is that there's all these children now who are cheering for a child murderer.
0: <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it definitely, I could see how it would be hard to not make that the hero. Yeah. Um, like, well, and we have all these big franchises like Michael Myers and all of the like Halloween movies and everything where they're like, yeah, that's the constant.
1: Halloween's a little different because they did have uh, Laurie Strode, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, who survives right. throughout. And just this week, the last one came out, which I haven't seen yet. But...
0: I kind of want to see it.
1: Well, you still have two more to see okay. before that one. Okay.
0: I like Jamie Lee Curtis. She's great. She's a great actress. She's great in Freaky Friday, too.
1: And there's also a fun shot in this one where... Heather is waiting to leave, but Robert has to sign all these <laughs> yeah. autographs. And she said, "Like, oh yeah, that is very, very true to life. <laughs> <laughs> <I laughs> Nobody mean, wants to talk to her, but everyone wants Robert England's autograph." Yeah,
0: that's funny. It was neat. I think I said this while we were watching it. It was neat to see Robert England just as Robert England, mm-hmm. and uh, just to kind of see his mannerisms as opposed to Freddie's, and it kind of made me appreciate his acting. Yeah, in this because it's not just him in a mask being himself. It's like some actual character acting.
1: I think everyone who is a fan of these will uh, be very aware of this, but I think he gets kind of shortchanged. They just think like, oh, you just put on a mask and you run around. But each movie he's different and he, of course, I don't want to say he gets worse, but he has not as great material to work with in those kind of five and six Mm -hmm. movies. But he's doing the best he can with it and like we talked about on our very first episode in this series they just wanted some sort of stuntman to do it Mm -hmm. and then they saw what he bring to it and they're like okay this is this is something he's onto something special here and i think that is true it's valid he does some a lot of good work in these movies
0: he does and he gives it his all whether it's a shitty script that makes no sense or like a fantastic script that has like great twists and turns
1: we were watching some special features on one of these Mm -hmm. discs and one of the things he was talking about and this is him way after the franchise is all over and he says he thanks Wes Craven for on the first movie inspiring him to take horror seriously Mm -hmm. which he was like not so sure about before to put everything into it that this is just as valid of, of an art form and he thinks like without that like we wouldn't have this character and he probably wouldn't have the the career here he's had.
0: Did he do other things?
1: Yeah, definitely. He was an established actor by the time the first one came out. So he was already in, um, he did like V and TV work and other stuff. After this, though, you will definitely say he kind of gets typecast, but he gets a lot of horror movie work.
0: Oh, okay. So this becomes his career.
1: Essentially. I don't know much of his other stuff, honestly, but he definitely gets work.
0: So while she's at the studio, she gets a call from New Line, which I just, I still think it's hilarious that this is like the real world. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It just keeps coming back and being like, I have it in my notes three times.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And then we go to Bob Shea's mm-hmm. office. And this is kind of indicative, I think, of what Craven was trying to say, too, because you have all these Freddy toys. You have yeah. that Warhol style Freddy pop art. So much. So many And posters. it's all behind... Bob Shea, who Wes Craven blames for the bastardization of Freddy. So I thought that was kind of fun. Maybe it's a little petty, but as a uh, former writer who once had a movie taken from me and rewritten all over the place, I'm like, yeah, fuck those guys. (laughs) I want
0: to see Bob Shea's real office.
1: I want, maybe that was it? Maybe
0: that's his real office. It's possible, yeah. Maybe he does just have all of the Freddy stuff. That would make sense. Yeah. It seems like he would, because well, he called Newline the house that Freddie built. Maybe that was just his regular office, and he just like tidied his desk a little bit for filming.
1: And we hear that Wes Craven is working on a new script, and it seems like everybody is having these nightmares. Yeah, because Bob Shay says something about it later. We talk talk to Robert England, and he doesn't outright say it but clearly he's having it too
0: and he confirms this new dark freddy yes and Wes craven obviously is having nightmares about this because he's writing a script based on it
1: yeah and through some exposition we get to hear that whenever Wes craven is having nightmares that's when he writes these movies Mm -hmm. so he hasn't had them in years and now they're back right which is i think like a fun little bit of lore i
0: think that's fun yeah um and also like Probably not a very profitable way to write movies. No. <laughs> you shouldn't base your movie career on uh, when you have nightmares.
1: Well, in the meantime, he was making things like Shocker, which were not great. So maybe oh. he needed more nightmares. He
0: needed more nightmares. He needed a new nightmare. A new nightmare. nightmare. <laughs> All right. We did it. Let's yeah. go home. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch Christmas movies. <laughs> no.
1: Not till December 1st. Okay. You said okay. So you heard that, everyone. If she forces me to watch a Christmas movie in November, you heard it here. She agreed. Not till December 1st.
0: Only if you decide you want to watch one earlier.
1: You always try to pressure me into Christmasing too early.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm getting on board with you and not peaking too early. Yeah,
1: because then I'm all a uh, Christmas out by the 15th of December. True. I think you can go November 25th. Okay. You can do one month. Same with Halloween. I do October first. I start and I go hard all month.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, you heard it here. We're starting on November twenty
1: fifth. I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, me too. I I like the idea of a full month. Um, one thing I found kind of funny in the script in this scene at New Line is that um, like phones ring in offices all the time, so it like isn't really that scary but you kind of get put back into maybe heather's just imagining all of this um because the phone rings in the office and uh bob shea is like i'm paid way too much money to answer that phone basically mm-hmm. <laughs> we have people for that um and she's all freaked out so i liked that they put in little things that make you kind of think like oh maybe it is all in her head
1: Oh, I took that as, oh, it's happening to him too, and he refuses to answer the phone. But it can go both ways, and I think that's what's clever about a lot of it.
0: I agree with you when you put it that way, that it does kind of go both ways.
1: (laughs) So then back at home... We get that sequence of this child doing his never sleep again.
0: Doing a shining voice. (laughs) This kid was great. He was 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 very good. He did well with dialogue. He did like, he did faces. He did creepy very well. He did. And he also was able to do the same like body movements every time he was having like what we're going to call an episode. right? Right. Like he looked the same each time, which not every child I think would be able to replicate.
1: And as long as we're giving out praise, I know I haven't been uh, the most complimentary to Heather Langenkamp <laughs> before. She's much better in this one, I oh, say. Oh, she's great. But still, I think the kid is, steals the show.
0: Yeah. And I liked that they kept in moments where are things that made him a kid, like mm-hmm. Rex. And like when he's in the hospital and he's like having trouble talking or communicating, and he just pats next to him she's like, oh, you want Rex, like your support Rex. animal. And so I liked those moments where they kept him a kid because I feel like some horror movies or movies with like more mature kind of ideas stop kids from acting like kids.
1: Or even in comedies, they always have like the precocious kid yeah. who talks like they're 50. But so, yeah, I like that he is a kid, but clearly has some stuff going on. Yeah. And he, this is the same kid from Pet Cemetery. If you've watched that, he was very creepy in that one. And I did see some stuff on our little box set and they mm-hmm. were talking about how one thing this is horrible, but he, it's interesting. They needed him to like cry or react for something. So what they did was, they, <laughs> both of his parents were there. They sent his mom away and his dad just went up to him and said like, "Your mom's dead."
0: Can you believe that? What? They did that to a child? The the
1: dad did. It wasn't even... Like, if it was Wes Craven, I'd be like, you should fire that man. But the... I'm sure the everyone was in on it, but the dad did it. Oh, my God. And apparently, afterwards, they gave him a Happy Meal and everything was fine.
0: (laughs) And then he talked about it to his therapist 20 years later. (laughs) And then uh,
1: some of the times when Freddy would jump out at him, they didn't tell him. They just, like, did it.
0: Right.
1: And the kid, though seems great because he's interviewed in a lot of this stuff and he said like oh yeah i was super scared when they do the jumps like that but i got that it was a movie and i i got that that they were trying to get a good reaction out of me and in the end i had a lot of fun doing it and i know that it's not real so i was fine
0: wow so good for him yeah okay i was worried that he'd end up being the girl screwed up kid but... yeah
1: yeah you'd think
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to hear that he's okay. Um, and I liked uh, when we find out that Rex has been, like, sliced. And like I said earlier, it's, like, um, escalating the things that Freddy's able to do in the real world. So, like, first it was just, like, the cut on his dad's finger. And now Rex has been, like, sliced open.
1: Yeah, we haven't had a chance to do this kind of slow build mm-hmm. since number one, really. Because we've been going back to the same thing. And this is the first one where it's it's new again. Mm-hmm. And let's cover a bunch of stuff real quick. Kay. So <laughs> we get our first Hansel and Gretel reference because he wants to be read that. Heather calls her husband back. He's secretly working on something for West Craven again. Yeah. And on his way back, he's singing REM and the glove comes up. And we get a shot of him scratching his crotch and then the glove (laughs) kills him. So we know Freddy's back. That was a nice
0: callback to, uh, was it the first movie in the bathtub?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: I I recognize that shot from like, there was a couple things in the movie that were kind of callbacks.
1: Then Heather finds out her husband has been killed in a car wreck, presumably. Mm -hmm. And there's a good fun vertigo zoom in there. But she goes to the morgue because she knows that something else is going down. Mm -hmm. And she finds that he has those very freddy like scratches on him. There's a funeral scene where we get to see a bunch of the cast from Mm -hmm. previous movies. Our old pal Tuesday Night is there. (laughs) (laughs) Tuesday Night. (laughs) Still my favorite name. Yeah,
0: it's such a good name. Did she fall asleep at the funeral?
1: Well, she hits her head on the bar right. so i think that's what it is
0: and then she's unconscious right okay
1: very briefly and she gets this vision of freddie taking her son down to hell or right. whatever and there's some really good dialogue after this where the son is asking about the nature of death and mm-hmm. he asks, "Like, do you have to die to see god can you come with me in my dreams and at that point it's like oh yeah i forgot that like this is a like a proper movie. Mm-hmm. there's actual dialogue yeah. and this these are
0: questions children ask when they have like a loved one die. It's mm-hmm. like, so what is this whole Jesus thing and God thing? Like what happens there? And those are like the kinds of things that kids will ask parents or like loved ones after like a traumatic event like that
1: and that leads nicely into that sequence in the playground where she's talking to her on screen dad yes. whose name I keep forgetting now, John.
0: John Saxon.
1: John Saxon, who was in Enter the Dragon is where I know (laughs) him from. But so she's talking to John and her son climbs up to the very top of that um, spaceship jungle gym thing. And then when he falls down, all he says was, God wouldn't take me. <laughs> Which is... Oh,
0: that was so heartbreaking. So then
1: we're getting, just like with uh, Nancy and not knowing what's real and what is actually like some sort of demon. With him, we're getting this too. Because is he being possessed or talked to by a mm-hmm. demon? Or is this a child dealing with a lot of really traumatic stuff? Yeah. And the answer is both. Mm-hmm. Clearly both. Because Clearly both. this, I don't think, was demon-possessed.
0: No, this, again, would be something that I could see a child doing after mm-hmm. having that discussion about God and, like, going to heaven and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he wants I could to go see his dad. totally see that.
1: And that was, yeah, very dark, very sad.
0: Oh, so dark and so sad. But I guess, like, it makes sense for the situation that he's in.
1: Yeah, I, I actually really liked that scene. I think I had more kind of terror in that scene Mm -hmm. than in a lot of the other stuff
0: this movie actually had scary moments which i appreciate which we
1: haven't seen in a couple of movies no
0: they've just been bad movies not bad scary movies
1: then she goes and talks to robert england i think just on the phone and we learn that Mm -hmm. he's having the same sort of dreams and he is doing this painting of this new scary freddy dark freddy
0: i really liked new dark scary freddy
1: the design of him? Yeah.
0: Sure, let's talk about that now. Yeah, so he looked like a demon, but mm-hmm. he still looked like Freddy.
1: Yeah, because I think now it isn't the Freddy who was mm. a child murderer who was burned, so they don't have that burn makeup going. Yeah. It's much more like anatomical and almost has an exoskeleton. There's like yeah. a mix of bone and muscle tissue. And same with his, like, hand, because it's not a glove anymore. It's his He has bones kind of over top of some Mm -hmm. of the muscle, and then the blade's coming right out. I like it that you can say, like, oh, yeah, that's clearly Freddy, but it's not the Freddy we know.
0: I really liked it because it looks like, because we learn that from, I think, was it Wes Craven who said that uh, he, like, was trapped in the movies and now he's free? Right, yes. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see this demon, this ancient demon that we're supposed to be like knowing about and um, you can kind of see the Freddy facade falling away from the demon. Like it's like the mask is slipping and you can kind of see more of the demon coming out.
1: One thing I didn't love as much is he wears leather pants, which I thought was odd.
0: (laughs) His outfit was weird. And
1: at one scene he has a hat and it's a green felt hat. Oh, I did
0: not like the green hat. I didn't like the green
1: hat as much. No, because
0: Freddy has a Freddie has a specific hat.
1: Or just don't do the hat because this is a, like a different character.
0: He looked like every pumpkin spice wielding girl in the <laughs> in that green hat. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw that hat at Winners the other day.
1: <laughs> and also Freddie seems a little more buff now. Yeah, He, he does... has a more fitted sweater yeah. and it looks like he's been lifting.
0: Yeah, whereas before he looked kind of like a garbage person. Yeah. Which is like good because he was burned in a fire.
1: Maybe this is a good time to get into the backstory and what you think. What do you think this demon is?
0: Oh, man, I was thinking about this yesterday. I I don't really understand the logistics behind this demon becoming trapped in the Freddy kind of persona.
1: Do you think this is a demon that is taking on the face of Freddy? Maybe. I think it might be the opposite. So we get established that when Wes Craven's having nightmares, he makes... He writes the script. Yeah. So I think he was having nightmares about this demon and then makes the demon into Freddy rather than the other way around. So then he writes the first movie and he has a character that looks like this vision he's having. So this is some, I don't know, ancient demon or whatever. And I think there's something to be said too about... How horror movies are essentially a confrontation of fear Mm -hmm. and a lot of people find them empowering in that way because I'm not scared of something that's like going to come and get me I get my fear out in this kind of controlled environment and I now have control of that Mm -hmm. fear and I think that's in this too, because the ones that are written by Craven, you can definitely see that kind of extra layer, and I think that's what he alludes to both in this in this one, and maybe in the first one as well. That this is his way of controlling fear mm-hmm. through making these characters. So he's having the nightmares, he writes that first movie, and that contains that fear, which in this case is a literal demon, not just the idea of of terror. So he's containing it in the movie. But then he doesn't have control of the movies. Uh, he starts making Nintendo jokes and calling everyone bitch all the time. Right. So then that movie can no longer contain this like real true evil. So then it is free to start terrorizing the world again and starting with probably Wes Craven. And now other people like Heather are, are in that as well. So he needs to do something to once again can contain this terror from going out into the world so he writes the movie that we are now watching in the movie that we are now watching and that is how he contains this demon
0: is that is that meta
1: oh this is yeah very the most meta (laughs) very i said very early on like oh and then it's gonna get meta and you went oh no but i said i think in a
0: kind of a good way i think it's in a good way i take that oh no back because i think this is a fun like place to go with something that's seven movies old.
1: Yeah, because like, what else can you do besides go to space? Which is usually at this point, Young. Franchises do that. All right. So then we have a fun double dream where Heather is sleeping, the claws come through the bed, but then she wakes up and she goes downstairs, and Dylan has taped nice. knives to her her his fingers yes. and attacks her. But then that's a dream as well. And then we see the letters that she was got in the mail and they spell out answer the phone she answers the phone and Dylan has a seizure they go to the hospital and we get our first instance with this doctor Dr. Hefner
0: Yes. Just one thing about that phone call. Um, I feel like they did, like, a little bit of a callback to some of the, like, middle the movies with, like, the tongue coming out the of the
1: phone. The tongue actually happens in part one.
0: Does it? Yeah. Okay.
1: It was kind of my least favorite part of part one, and it might be my least favorite part of part seven.
0: It felt... Dumb, Which is why I think I thought it was from one of the middle movies. Yeah. Because, Agreed. yeah, it doesn't seem to fit with this, like, elaborate Freddy thing that Wes Craven has going on. I'd agree. Okay.
1: One of the things I don't like about this movie is they make a point of saying, we're not doing that silly Freddy anymore. This is serious again. But then they put in a few things that are kind of silly. Yeah. Like the tongue, the tongue at the end, which oh, was too much. Yeah. So I wish they had gone completely straight with mm-hmm. freddy and not done any of the silly stuff
0: yeah i agree i felt like that tongue was like a callback to the kid being tied to the bed with tongues yes tongue as weapon
1: yeah there's a lot of tongue work in this yeah. uh, in this <laughs> franchise so what'd you think of this doctor
0: um the i my note says this doctor is very aggressive very um and it kind of makes more sense when you put satanic panic into it yeah when you mentioned that i was like okay it makes a little bit more sense and then also the like idea of um parents being afraid of being accused of like child abuse when they maybe just have like a like an accident prone child Right. And I know like having worked in daycare, that's like a thing that parents worry about because we see their children every day and we can see stuff and we can like report everything and then bad stuff happens, um, even if it's just a child who knocks into everything that they see. I found this doctor really aggressive and kind of like needlessly stern.
1: Yeah, so the doctor is named Dr. Hefner, who was the head of the MPAA, the ratings board for the United States, and oh. they would cut apart all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And of course, they would go on and say like, this is why people are dying. It's horror movies, not, not our American culture, which is rooted in violence <laughs> that we love to celebrate. Yeah. It's these scary movies. So it makes sense that now Craven is kind of taking his shots at that doctor by putting in this doctor figure who's like, Oh, what, his um his dad was killed violently yesterday? Yeah, it's probably not that. It's probably the movies. Yeah. I think movies are really the biggest concern. So she's so single-minded and like, no, it's movies. It's not epilepsy. It's not the trauma that he clearly just experienced. Yeah. It's probably a scary movie that you made. You're to blame.
0: And so he can't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He This poor kid has so much going on in his life. He doesn't need Dr. Hefner making it even worse. Yeah. So Heather returns home to get Rex for Dylan and the babysitter, Julie, is with him making sure that he doesn't fall asleep. And I liked this babysitter because she believes Heather.
1: Did you ever think the babysitter was evil? No. Early on, she gives the kind of shifty looks and also that first uh, limo driver.
0: I thought that was going to come back. Yeah. I thought that there was going to be some kind of like thing that happened, and then that ended up being nothing. He was just kind of a weirdo.
1: I thought Julie might have been in on something strange. And then I was like, oh, no, she's fine. And I actually really liked her. She reminded me reminded me a good bit of Tina from the first one.
0: Oh, I could see that. But yeah. then
1: I realized I don't think they remind me of each other. I think they both remind me of Chloe Sevigny.
0: Oh, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but either way, apparently quite late into shooting it was that she was going to be working for freddie and then they changed it (gasps) Uh, so they kind of played it at the beginning a little bit and throughout the movie they said like any one of you can be to blame so play it like maybe you're in on it
0: oh see that's fun
1: and i think that's what kind of made me feel a little bit of that scream vibe that craven Mm -hmm. would do much later throughout the movie you're like Oh, they're acting weird about this. But we think some people are also just having the nightmares. But then you're like, well, yeah, why is the babysitter there by herself at the hospital? That's a little weird. Maybe she just really cares for the kid. And also the babysitter has a few lines earlier on when about the phone calls and stuff Mm -hmm. that like you're curious as to why she's like that
0: i also found the tv host a little suspect
1: yeah because then he was saying like oh yeah so
0: what's your son's name what's going on there don't say your son's name on television (laughs) and i
1: think that's very intentional because we're getting that like in scream every time the phone rings every time someone asks a question that's a little too personal you're like wait is this you Mm -hmm. so then we're not sure if it's a real world person doing it, if it's a demon, if it's Freddy, if it's her own mental illness. We're not sure where it's coming from. And I thought that was pretty effective.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: So I think we'll skip over some stuff. But when we're back at the hospital and we do see Julie who is trying to get in, Mm -hmm. there's a kind of an exorcist style dream where Dylan pukes all over the place and then the doctor has the glove and that was just a little bit of a fake out. And then the security is called in because Nancy is very adamant that she has to get to him and he can't go to sleep. And this is where the nurse gives him the needle secretly.
0: Yes, that was an interesting fake out. Yeah. And And also probably against hospital law. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) And also, I think uh, Julie punches out that nurse. And they have that scene where like, I know what's in your needle. Do you know what's in this one? Yeah, (laughs) That that was fun. And then we get a kind of a remake of that Tina kill where Julie is pulled up the wall and across the ceiling. But I like how they changed it. I don't think it's as effective as the first one because Mm -hmm. I thought that one was actually scary. And this... Movie just isn't as scary as no. the first one. But what they did change is sometimes you could see Freddie doing it. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking through Dylan's eyes, you can see Freddie pulling her around. Right. And then when you see through Tina's or whoever else's eyes. Not eyes. Tina. Um, Julie. <laughs> Julie. You get to see that it's just her floating yeah. around.
0: Um, And that was a cool throwback to like the adults can't see Freddie. Yeah. And that was that was neat that they continued that on through here. I like that little bit of Freddy lore. Only the kids can see him. And Heather. And Heather.
1: Because she's one of the original Elm Street kids. Yeah. Dylan runs away, but I guess he's sleepwalking. Yes. And then there's this whole highway sequence, which I did not care for. How about you?
0: Um, it was, it was interesting. It was a new thing for the movie. So I feel like I'm a little bit more generous when we don't see the same thing over and over again. But I felt like the highway scene was too long agreed like i felt like it could have been a couple minutes like seconds even it didn't need to be five minutes worth of movie
1: yeah because they're going for this kind of more actiony type of terror Mm -hmm. like oh no they're gonna get hit by a car but maybe it's just that's not what i'm here for yeah but we do have this giant Freddy that scoops him up kind Mm -hmm. of and carries him which was odd
0: we saw Giant Freddy another time. I can't remember what movie it is. I
1: think in three we had the marionette scene right. with a Giant Freddy. So
0: that felt like a callback to that, but I I don't know. The scene seemed really out of place.
1: I think though, I wish if you're going with this different Freddy, this is a whole new thing. Make it a whole new thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I didn't like that there were so many people like involved with this scene, whereas this movie franchise kind of like is very insular. And And
1: even more so in this one, because we're focusing just on Heather a lot more. Heather and Dylan.
0: I didn't like that we got like real life people in this. Mm -hmm. It didn't like work for me.
1: Then when we get to the house, there's a sequence that I enjoyed quite a bit where this real world starts turning into Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Mm hmm. John Saxon starts turning into the dad and now he's in a cop car. Yeah. Her house has morphed into the Elm Street house. And then she's like, Okay, that's what's going on now and she kinda plays along with
0: it. Yeah. And I liked that earlier in the movie he's like, You have to decide if you can be Nancy one more time. Right. And then she has to later yeah. in the movie. And it comes back and you're like, Oh my goodness. He was talking about like Real life, not in another movie. Yeah, not on set. Not like reprising the role. It's that that's what's gonna save your life. Um, so I I liked this scene as well, and that she wakes up, or not wakes up, but she's in that dream sequence, and she's wearing the pajamas from the beginning of the movie. That was pretty neat.
1: And we get a Nosferatu shot when Freddy is coming across with his claws. It's an exact shot from the Murnau movie. And we get another Hansel and Gretel bit where the sleeping pills are breadcrumbs, which I thought was pretty clever because you want to go to sleep to go to Freddy's world. And then we talked about those breadcrumbs before. And she goes down a tunnel in her son's bed, which I also (laughs) thought was kind of fun.
0: I liked the idea of the end of the bed being the scary place because that's a very childhood thing. That's exactly how you feel, right? You can't hang your feet off the side of the bed because monsters will get what's them, down right? Yeah, and like under the bed is scary. So like where you can't see is where Freddy is, mm-hmm. and I liked that.
1: And then we go down to, I guess, hell
0: or something? Yeah.
1: What did you think of that whole, this final section?
0: Um, it I liked it. It looked very cool. I love the addition of like the pool and the stairs and um this like Hansel and Gretel like broiler room or like fire area and uh i liked that but i felt like this was a place we'd never been before so i didn't really understand how it fit into freddy's whole lore
1: it feels like this was from parts four and five because we would go into sets like this Mm -hmm. a little more then and i
0: didn't love
1: it because Mm -hmm. i just it felt out of place with how rooted in reality the rest of this movie was.
0: Maybe that's why I thought it was kind of weird.
1: Yeah. Because it is very It looks good. It's
0: very fantasy, but it looks like they're in a castle of some sort. Something like that. And maybe they were really leaning into the Hansel and Gretel thing and they were trying to make it like fairy tale castle or something.
1: Oh, I never really got that because the Hansel and Gretel one I always thought of as kind of a, a quaint country cottage.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it's supposed to be, but maybe they were just going like full fairy tale. Right. And then that, that's like Or maybe they are the trying castle. to uh,
1: to include parts four and five, even though they don't like those as much. <laughs> and she finds the script and is like reading through it. I wish that was more of a thing, that she finds the script and goes like, okay, this is what we can do, because yeah. it's right here in the yeah, script. Maybe she kinda
0: stopped reading and it didn't help her at all. Yeah. Like, read ahead, read ahead. <laughs>
1: and then there's a sequence with eels? Where she takes an eel and puts it on Freddy and he yeah. bites him. I didn't like all of that. I thought that
0: was a snake.
1: Well, there were snakes and eels.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I just saw slidey, slippery things and looked away. So maybe I missed some of that.
1: It also, yeah, I it didn't edit together great.
0: No, this was the choppiest part of the film. For I sure. thought
1: so. I did kind of like the effect when Freddy's head gets all big and he tries to eat Dylan's head. Yes. (laughs) That was fun. That was weird. But then we get into some more tongue business. Yeah. And there's like the long tongue wrapping her up, which feels silly to me again. It
0: does. It doesn't feel as serious as everything else that's going on in that scene.
1: And that's a fun bit when you're in those silly movies, but you've... Gone out of your way to say, this is not a silly movie. yeah. But then you make it kind of silly.
0: It reminded me of like Jim Carrey. Uh, what's it called? Oh, The Mask. Right. Like it was just really cartoony. S- cartoony and silly. And yeah. it didn't, yeah, it didn't fit with who Freddy is.
1: The director of The Mask directed one of the other ones. I think maybe four.
0: Oh, interesting. Is that when he starts calling everyone bitch?
1: Oh, I think he starts doing that earlier than we, oh, okay. than we realize. <laughs> not as emphatically, but he's definitely really going hard on it in part 3. Yeah. Time for prime time, bitch. Oh yeah. I also like that uh, Robert England is doing a different voice as this Freddy. He's not doing that classic Freddy yeah. voice. He's doing a much more like normal voice.
0: Yeah, and I like that cuz he is, he's not
1: he's not that Freddy. He's
0: not truly Freddy anymore, and he's not Robert England anymore.
1: I didn't even realize it was Robert England. It looked the mannerisms and everything seemed very mm-hmm. different. Interesting. And then it turns out that the room they were just in is a oven or crematorium. And then they just turn it on and Freddy burns up. His head gets really big, turns into a big demon face and then is on fire.
0: And then the whole like dream world explodes. Oh yeah,
1: everything blows up. I thought that was, I didn't like that ending.
0: Hmm. I kind of liked it because it was like a satisfying ending. I thought it was satisfying because he like blows up and is no more.
1: And that's the end.
0: The end. Oh no, they wake up and the script is at the end of the the finished script.
1: Oh right, and then she reads it to him and that's kind of going full circle on the Hansel and Gretel stuff that mm-hmm. this is a fairy tale and we kind of learn that, which is something that I think a lot of people theorize about, is that fairy tales are just like these movies they are a way to contain our fear, to give our fear a name, and in that way, gain power over it. Mm-hmm. That's my theory, at least, and I think that's what Wes Craven is going for, too. Yeah,
0: and I liked his note on the script, too. It's like, thanks for having the courage to become Nancy again.
1: One last time. One
0: last time.
1: I do like that as a finale to this series, though, Mm-hmm. because... Freddy's dead was a, a bad ending. It's yeah. just like, hey, everyone, Freddy's dead. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, that so end. this one to wrap it up in in such a way that you're not just finishing with the character of Freddy because I think Craven believes like that's not the core. He didn't want Freddy to be the hero of this, mm-hmm. but rather they are wrapping up this whole idea of fear and how fear works and how it controls you. They wrap that up much better in this than any of the Nightmare on Elm Street's did. Because even the first one had a bad ending. These movies have notoriously bad endings, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think this is a very satisfying end to this franchise. I think I feel at peace with it, and I feel like everybody's safe. Yeah. Like, I think in that way, it's a
1: very satisfactory ending.
0: Like they've arrived at safety.
1: I do have like a few criticisms, although I am uh, definitely positive on this movie. Some things that would have really made it that much better for me. I didn't love how the dream stuff worked in this. It seemed much more similar to part two when you're just like, oh, this cool thing's happening. Just kidding. It was just a dream. So then it doesn't really have any gravity Mm because, well, it never really happened. So I guess that doesn't really even matter. Yeah. We think we're seeing something great and then it's just kidding. It's just a dream. I wish they had more instances of, like in part one, where dreams start, Creeping into reality mm-hmm. and maybe you start off small and then it gets bigger and bigger and just as Freddie is gaining strength because we do have that happening when the movie turns into part one for a bit right. at the end there right I wish there had been lead up into that about how elements from the movies or her dreams were coming into reality I like that a lot better than just doing the there's something in your bed just kidding it's a dream mm-hmm Or just don't do dream stuff at all. Because I, I of course, want there to be a lot more dream things because Mm -hmm. that's what these movies are about. But if I guess we're getting into something completely different, then just don't do the dream things at all if you're just going to use them as a fake out. Yeah. I think the fake out's a little cheap, but that's just, that's that's always my criticism about dreams in movies.
0: Yes, you did go into this saying that was like your least favorite thing but we're gonna do a full series of movies about dreams because
1: in the first one they use it so well
0: they do they do and then it's all downhill from there
1: i wish there were more scary things that were real because not a lot of scary things actually happened in the real world of this movie Mm -hmm. they're mostly all in the dreams I wish we had seen Freddy go and interact with some of the other people. Like, what if Freddy appears to Robert England and we have Robert England and Freddy fighting? That That would be great. Or if Freddy kills Wes Craven or Bob Shea. He's like, (laughs) look what you did to me. And I know Wes Craven would have loved to have Freddy kill Bob Shea. Oh, I bet he pitched that. (laughs) I
0: bet that was in the things that he pitched to Bob Shea.
1: And then also I think if you're going to make a point of saying this isn't silly and watered down, don't give any silly things. I get that the tongue bit was in part one, but I thought it was silly in part one. Mm. as one of the weaker parts, and I wish it wasn't in this. And we do get some wisecracking Freddy. Not nearly as much, but no. he does have a couple, which if you're doing this whole new serious dark Freddy, make it a whole new serious dark yeah.
0: Freddy. Yeah, he, he definitely didn't need silly wisecracks.
1: But that's kind of nitpicky to make this what I think would be a little bit better. But overall, I still like this one. I think I am going to put it as my number three Nightmare on Elm Street movie.
0: I think number one and number seven are tied for first for me.
1: Wow. Yeah. Bookends. Bookends. The two written and directed by Wes Craven ones.
0: Well, I think I just love Westgrave.
1: Maybe we should watch more of his stuff. Because I think you've probably only seen Scream from
0: him. I think so. All right. I don't even really know what else he's done, so yeah.
1: Well, maybe you're gonna find out soon.
0: Maybe someone will <laughs> <me> watch more. <laughs>
1: Well, I know we always do a ranking at the end, but let's save all of that for the very end after we watch the remake as well. And maybe we'll do a little part of our next mini episode, which comes out after Halloween, where we do a little Nightmare on Elm Street roundup.
0: That's a good idea, because then I can get my notes together so I remember which movie is which. Okay, and we're going to hear from our second sponsor of the episode.
1: Do you ever feel like just a number? A digit, a denominator, a decimal, another cog in the big bank machine, waiting on hold, online, never on time, and always on your dime. Like your worth is only calculated by your net worth. In a world full of numbers, it's nice to know there's a place where you're not one. Connect First Credit Union, bank on a brighter future. All right, well, we are kind of done with the original run of Freddy, but we have one more movie that we are going to cover, and that is the 2010 remake, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And Samantha, you've never seen this one?
0: No, I like, don't even, I can't even conjure a picture of what that would be, so.
1: I saw it, I might have seen it in a theater.
0: Is it a remake of the original?
1: I remember very little.
0: Okay, because I it's just like I don't really understand how this one fits into the big picture, so. It doesn't. Oh, it's its own movie. Yeah,
1: it's a remake, so it's not a continuation or anything. It's You just forget all of the lore and everything you know when you're going into this one because okay. it's its own new thing. I think we'll probably end up comparing it a lot to the original because mm-hmm. it's a remake of it's it. Hard not to, yeah. But I am curious to see where this goes because I think we've definitely seen some themes throughout this, starting out as this um, small kind of raw independent film that had, I think, some real terrifying moments. Mm-hmm to going into some bizarre places, some highlights like in part 3 where we're getting teams together and making kind of an action style yeah. to it devolving into almost a silly comedy and finally winding up as a this meta textual postmodern critique on the very nature of fear and then we're going to get a remake. So I wonder where that's going to fit in with yeah. all of that.
0: Yeah, like I said I just have a really hard time of picturing where this is how this is going to work.
1: Or there's a very good chance it'll be like most remakes that come out in the 2000s where it tries to rip off the best parts but fails to capture what we (laughs) loved in the first place. Yeah. Which is a very distinct possibility. I haven't seen it since it came out, which was...
0: 2010?
1: Oh, like 12 years ago, so... Oh, wow. (laughs) So who knows? But watch that one, and we will talk to you all about it
0: on Halloween! Halloween. Woo! Bye, everyone!
1: Goodbye.